Good afternoon. My name is Kendall Sethiraman. I'm from the University of Maryland, um, Emergency Medicine. And this is going to be a quick review of acidosis, metabolic acidosis in particular. I'm going to go over a couple of newer things, um, but for the most part, um, you guys have probably all heard this in your training at some point. So we're going to talk about metabolic acidosis. There are two kinds. There's the elevated gap and the non-elevated gap acidosis. There are a bunch of mnemonics people use. Um, I think the most popular is probably mud piles or cat mud, mud piles. But um, I personally don't like mnemonics. I can't remember half, I can't remember the mnemonic and what the mnemonic stands for. My brain doesn't work that way. Um, but there's also a newer uh, a mnemonic that a lot of toxicologists uh, use, and that's CULPS. And we'll go over that one too. So don't get locked into a mnemonic. Think about the problem before uh, you just think of the five or six things that might be causing it. There might be other things. There are lots of calculators for doing anion gaps and osmolal gaps, and you know you can decide which uh, app is the best for you. Um, but first, uh, it's always important to review some of the, the numbers. So the anion gap is your uh, pluses minus your minuses, and then there's just a delta delta, which we'll talk about later. In the body, the predominant cation, as you all know, is sodium. It's around 140 um, in most American labs. And then uh, the chloride and the bicarb are your anions, and that uh, adds up to 128. You subtract, and you get a number. Uh, and that's, your, that's the number of your missing anions. I say missing because it's missing only because we didn't calculate them or didn't measure for them. So it's just a little bit of a numbers game. So what are these missing anions? And they're just proteins and other compounds that carry a charge that is not, that the blood, that the lab is not checking for. Okay, and everyone has an anion gap. It's around 12 to 15. So all of us sitting here have a gap, and if you had a really good time last night, yours might be a little different. But for the most part, it's, um, it's everyone has a gap. Okay, and when we think about uh, anion gap metabolic acidosis, we think mostly about the mud piles or cat mud piles. And if you look there, um, what's in red are toxins. So a lot of toxins cause um, anion gap metabolic acidosis. And there are other things such as sepsis and acute ischemia, which this is the best metabolic disorder for emergency physicians because this is what we do. Um, and um, so you can pick your poison. I think the most, sorry, when I look down, it's really loud. The most uh, concerning um, a problem here with this picture is that the absolute is yellow. So um, the absolute right there probably shouldn't be yellow. But I love that they included soda because that's really bad for you. I don't think it causes a metabolic gap acidosis, but um, it's good that it's up there as a toxin. So there are a couple of newer things. Um, short bowel syndrome is frequent. If, if uh, a child, for example, has had most of their intestines taken out for volvulus or some other problem, um, they can develop what's uh, called uh, short bowel syndrome. And, it's, and um, essentially, the carbohydrates that they take don't get properly digested. And in the colon, the bacteria convert that to lactate. And it's a de-isomer of lactate. The lactate we're all used to thinking about is the L-isomer. And this is a de-isomer. And the human body, except maybe in the liver, doesn't have um, an enzyme to convert it 
to the other kind of lactate. So this builds up in the brain, and so these patients can present with an encephalopathy, they can present with, a, um, with neurological symptoms. And so that's uh, what, uh, if somebody that you know has had abdo major abdominal resections, you want to you wanna think about this. Tylenol uh, is another uh, one that can be converted into uh, lactate eventually, and then propylene glycol, which uh, if you have somebody on a drip of a benzo in the ICU long term, that can uh, build up and cause, again, a lactic acidosis. It's usually the D-lactic uh, that, that uh, develops from that. Propofol is something that there are case reports here and there, but um, there has been a larger study that pr uh, proved that propofol doesn't always uh, necessarily cause a metabolic anion gap acidosis. Okay, so cults. This is something I came across um, from one of my toxicology friends. I think it's people have heard about it probably, but it breaks it down uh, into a slightly simpler mnemonic, um, K for ketones. Um, so anything that produces ketones, uremic, so kidney disease um, or uremia, uremia, lactate, anything that causes an increase in lactate, so ischemia, sepsis, low flow states. And so your differential is based on, um, on the, the end product, not necessarily um, just memorizing a bunch of disease, diseases or toxins. And toxins down here are the what I'm referring to are the toxic alcohols, and S is a small S because it's a toxin, but we don't want to forget about it, and so I leave it up there with a small S for salicylates. So we're all used to considering the pH, figuring out what is the pH, and then going down this whole algorithm, which is great, but I think most of us know that we don't necessarily need to get an ABG to get that, num to get that value. So you can use a VBG, and then you know your pH, but when we're talking about a gap acidosis, what you want is really your basic metabolic profile and calculate the gap um, and, then, and then consider the pH um, there. Um, the normals are down here, and this is your standard um, acid-base balance that, um, that we all learned uh, in medical school. Once you know that you have an anion gap acidosis, then you want, and if you're concerned about a toxic alcohol, or even if you're not, it's something worth thinking about, you can go ahead and calculate your osmolar gap. And that, again, is something you can get from a calculator, but the osmols is another numbers game. So you've got your measured osmols, which is what you get from your blood, and then it's the osmols that are in the blood plus other stuff. And so the question is, what is that other, other stuff? Um, and sometimes that other stuff can be ethylene glycol or methanol or other toxins that add um, more... Um, osmols to the, to the system. And it's really most, more or less used as a clue to figure out what else is going on with the patient. You can use a urine pH. Um, I almost never look at the urine pH, but, I, um, but when you're thinking about an acid-base problem, it's normally acidic around 5. Um, so if the blood is acidic, the urine is acidic. If the blood is alkalotic, the urine is also alkalotic. But if there's a difference, then you have to worry about a renal cause for the patient's illness. If the urine pH is high, then you really do need to figure out why that's happening. Base excess, it's not really useful. Moving on. Um, the um, metabolic acidosis can occur two ways. There's a drop in the base or the buffer, so you're losing base, and, or it's somehow um, 
wasted. And so you can add a strong acid, and that's how you can lose base. Or you can produce acid, so carbon dioxide is an acid, and you can produce acid, which can cause um, the acidosis. The kidneys respond to the acidosis by holding on to the base bicarb and making more base bicarb. Um, and so it excretes hydrogen ions, and you get a renal compensation. In response, the lungs, on the other hand, will exhale more carbon dioxide, and so you get a respiratory compensation. And compensation is not the same thing as a mixed disorder. Uh, it's, it's compensation. You're never going to get back to normal. So if you are back to normal or if you're going above normal when you do your formulas, um, a second process is going on. Okay? So anion gap acidosis or elevated gap acidosis is that you've got extra unmeasured anions. And then in the non-ion gap acidosis, you also have an extra anion, but it's chloride, and that is measured in the blood. Okay, so the only difference is you know one is chloride and you know the other one is something else. So if you look at a typical profile, the normal anion profile is that you've got a gap of 12, a bicarb of 24, and a chloride of 104. It's, like I said, it's a numbers game. If you add an acid that is not measured by the lab, those, that, the gap number increases. But if you add, um, if you have a vomiting and diarrhea, then the, then it goes down to the chloride. So here, the gap, the number uh, here is 24, and you're losing 8, and the 8 is going up to the gap, okay, in a elevated gap acidosis. Now, on the other hand, just the opposite, if you lose 8 anions, it goes down to the chloride in a non-gap, non-elevated gap acidosis, okay? So it's just playing with the numbers. All right, and a mixed disorder is when two, two primary disorders occur at the same time, and then you can have two or three. There are only a few things that really cause three disorders at the same time. Um, but the first thing you need to do is figure out if adequate compensation has occurred. And when you have an elevated gap acidosis, you want to also go ahead and calculate the delta-delta, the which is really only useful when there's, there's a large difference. Okay, so these are all of the formulas you can use. Um, I'm not going to go over every single one. For this purpose, the main one that you, for elevated gap acidosis, the main one is uh, what we all know is the Winters formula, and that's up there for you, or you can always just use your iPhone. Um, but it is something worth calculating if you're concerned. The um, one thing to remember is that when the, when the, for, to calculate the anion gap, Sodium is obviously a big component of it, but if you have somebody with DKA and their sugar is 300, you have to use the corrected sodium when you calculate the anion gap, okay? Because otherwise you're going to think there's no gap when there really is a gap, um, or it's a higher gap than what you think, okay? So that might change your disposition of the patient from uh, going to the IMC versus going to the ICU, and so you want to really, or how aggressively you're going to be with your resuscitation of that patient. Uh, it's another formula. Um, it's like 0 0.06 of the glucose plus 100. I can't. I don't have it memorized. I usually just look that up. Um, and then the delta delta is um, the difference in what you would expect. So um, it's used only in elevated gap metabolic acidosis, and it really just compares the change in the bicarb versus the change in the anion gap. So. The, the delta delta is usually reliable when there's a larger difference. Okay. And the pitfalls are that you want to use it um, 
if there is a difference that's greater than eight, that's when it's useful. Um, and if you have renal disease, you might want to consider not using it. And then um, it's mostly useful with AKA and DKA, uh, and less so for toxins. But you also have to consider your lab's normal range when you're measuring all of these things. Um, so the stepwise process for this would be to check the anion gap. And if there's a gap, check the osmolar gap and then calculate the, and simultaneously calculate the delta-delta. This is a quick list of things that can cause a elevated gap acidosis. Um, it goes through the mud piles, um, and, uh, and I kind of have just a really quick um, resol or way of treating some of these disorders. So methanol, formic acid is formed. People, uh, the classic is that they complain that they can't see after drinking methanol, and that's the formic acid. Uh, going to the eye, um, and then the treatment is dialysis or giving them um, ethanol. Uremia, you want to go to dialysis. DKA, we all know how to do that. There were a couple of great lectures on DKA here at this conference. Um, for ischemia, lactic acidosis, um, you want to you want to fix the underlying cause. Um, salicylates, you want to alkalize urine, um, and, and so on. And of course, if you have carbon monoxide you, uh, or cyanide, you want to go for the antidote, um, which also includes hyperbarics for anyone who is severely ill from carbon monoxide. Um, propylene glycol, uh, as I mentioned, turns into lactate, and you want to remove the toxin. Short bowel syndrome uh, also, as I uh, went into earlier, has a uh, buildup of D-lactate, and there's really no treatment. Um, except to remove carbs from the diet. There, some people have to go to extremes and um, take out parts of their colon uh, to get rid of the bacteria. Antibiotics have been tried, and that doesn't really seem to work. Even probiotics, and that doesn't, doesn't really seem to help the situation. So these people are, are in uh, bad shape. Um, and then final thoughts, I want you to think about using cults as your new mnemonic for, uh, for this problem. Um, you can get a lot of information without necessarily going to an ABG. You can get information from the lights, the urine, of EBG, and even an end-tidal CO2. Um, it's not 100% accurate. Your PaCO2 is going to be um, a, a much more accurate measure. But if you're in a hurry and somebody's trying to stab the patient and get an artery, you can certainly uh, consider that as a proxy. Um, you can find a lot of hidden causes if you take the time to go through the formula. Uh, the, the list of formulas, um, but then uh, also don't get locked into a mnemonic because there are other things outside of those mnemonics that are causing the issue. Um, the extra anions are frequently caused by toxins, but if, even if there's no elevated gap, that doesn't mean that a toxin is not present. So, you know, take that for, for what you will. Anion gap acidosis is often, if you're thinking about a mixed disorder, anion gap acidosis is usually one of those disorders. And then um, for uh, the medical students and residents in the room, it's really great. Online tools are great, um, but um, it's really important to get some of these concepts down before you to, before you start using those as your as your go-to. So that's it. I hope that was rapid enough. <laughs>